So you guys want to hear something a little funny? I freaked out just a minute ago, and I'm still freaking out a little bit. Thank you, my love. You are so very special. This, this, would, have went, this would have been horrible had I not had my notes. I was like, oh boy, this will be interesting. I do have the Word of God, and so I was ready to go. I was ready to go. But, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of does this thing where he just, he just wants to make everybody laugh for a minute and let me freak out because I didn't think I had my notes. So, that being said, welcome my name's Ryan. I'm the lead pastor. Glad to be with you today. And I'm even more glad that you got to hear me with my notes, especially if you're new, because this would not have been good otherwise. Um, but we are beginning a brand new series in the book of Acts, chapters 1 and 2. Uh, this series is entitled Cross Point Together. And let me tell you something right from the get go this series is a series of vision. And and we're going to answer some big questions. And the big questions that we're going to answer are, what is the vision of Crosspoint Downtown? What is the vision of our church? Why are we here today? Why are we planting this church? Why are we planting churches? Why is it that we do what we do? And and Crosspoint, it's important that we understand that today you are a part of something that's much bigger, even within Crosspoint as a whole. Uh, today, in the city of Orlando alone, you, you are one of, of likely about of a thousand people in the city of Orlando that are worshiping with Crosspoint Church. Uh, in Winter Park, uh, we have Crosspoint in Lake Nona. We have two languages being worshipped together, uh, well, with Christ being worshipped together in English and in Spanish uh, with Crosspoint Espanol. And uh, there's a big dream that we have to see this city saturated with gospel-centered churches, cross-point churches and other churches, because it takes more than one church to reach a city with the gospel for the glory of God. And then we have cross-point that meets in Vieira, which is cross-point coast. We have cross-point in Peachtree City, and we're planting a cross-point in Jupiter. And so there's a lot of things that we're doing. And the reason why we do these things is really important. And over the next five weeks, which this series is going to be five weeks, I want to encourage you to be here each and every week over the next five weeks. And I know Labor Day weekend is one of those weekends. September 3rd, by the way. My birthday is September 4th. I expect you to be here to wish me a happy birthday one day early on the 3rd. My mom was in labor on Labor Day. On Labor Day. So, um, happy birthday, mom. Uh, and um, so, uh, the next five weeks, I, I pray that there's little doubt in your mind as to why it is what we're doing what we're doing. Church planting, church in general, can become monotonous if there's no vision. And I want to see the vision of God so enliven our hearts that we will work with every ounce of energy because our hearts are so united to what God is doing right here in our city in this generation. So when we talk about vision, we talk about something bigger than what's ahead of us. So when you think about vision, you think about what's going to happen next. And the the church's vision, though, is a vision that's actually rooted 2,000 years ago. And if we are going to talk about vision, we, we actually have to look back before we can go forward. Because we have a really strong and powerful vision. 
And the really strong and powerful vision is rooted in history. Really good history, by the way. When we think about American history, we see history that some of it's good and some of it's not so good. But it's our history, isn't it? It's our history as a country and we have to look at it if we're going to learn. But the history of the church, even though it's marred by brokenness and sin, it started perfect. It started perfect, right according to the plan and the will of God. And and the book of Acts is a history book. It's a history book that's inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is written by God through a human author whose name is Luke. Luke was a doctor, also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And Luke was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. In fact, many believe that he was Paul's personal doctor. Paul needed a doctor because he was in a lot of beatings, and he needed Luke. And this Dr. Luke was also very sensitive to details, investigative journalism, so to speak. And he pinned the Gospel of Luke, and he also pinned the book of Acts, which if you read the heading in your Bible as you open the book of Acts, it says Acts of the Apostles. You could actually entitle this book Acts of the Apostles Through the Holy Spirit. Because this is the Holy Spirit that is doing wonderful, wonderful things in the planting of the first church. And so when we look at church planting today, every church planter's dream is that God would take a handful of people and he would do some amazing things by winning people to Jesus Christ for the glory of God. That's every church planter's dream. God, just take this handful of people and Use us to reach people for Jesus Christ so that God would get glory. That's my dream. That's the dream of Cross Point. That's the dream of what God did 2,000 years ago in the planting of the first church. Author Michael Green says this, Three crucial decades in world history. That's all it took. In the years between AD 33 and 64, a new movement was born. In those 30 years, it got sufficient growth and credibility to become the largest religion the world has ever seen and to change the lives of hundreds of millions of people. It has spread into every corner of the globe and has more than two billion adherents. It has had an indelible impact on civilization, on culture, on education, on medicine, on freedom, and on the course of the lives of countless people worldwide. And the seedbed for all of this, the time when it took decisive root, was in these three decades. It all began with a dozen men and a handful of women. And then the Spirit came. It all began with a group smaller than's in this room today. And the Holy Spirit came and fell upon them. And the church was planted. Listen. This is really important for us to realize. Our history, your history, church history, was with our brothers and sisters, the disciples, the apostles, the women who were among the followers of Jesus in that day. And those disciples and those apostles and the people that God used have since been a faithful witness throughout every generation 
2,000 years ago today, there has always been a faithful witness of Christ's church from the beginning of the church in, in Jerusalem to present day Orlando 2017. There has been a faithful witness that has carried the gospel message from there to here in the seats today. There has been a faithful witness. And here's why we're doing this series. It's our turn. It's our turn. We are to be a church that is a faithful witness that carries the message of the gospel in our generation and beyond. We don't know what God has for us, but we do know that God wants for us some grand things. We do know that God has a purpose and a plan for our lives right now, and we are walking into that. The vision of Cross Point Church is to see our communities informed and transformed by the power of the gospel for the glory of God. That's the vision of Cross Point Church. To see our communities informed and transformed by the power of the gospel for the glory of God. Now, now when you think of the word inform, we think about information. That we would receive information, but it's not really about information as much as it about, is it about formation. That to see our communities formed, shaped, changed, our hearts molded, our lives brought to a new reality, formed by the power of the gospel for the glory of God. That there would truly be transformation that would happen. That our heads would not just be full of knowledge, but our hearts would be robust with a deep and sincere love for the Lord Jesus Christ. So much so that it spills out of us into the world around us. That we are transformed and by the transformation that has taken place in our hearts and lives, there's a transformation that flows from us into a lost and broken world. To see the city of Orlando changed by the power of the gospel for the glory of God. Now, the city of Orlando, if you've done some studying, you know that the city of Orlando is the second fastest growing city in the United States today, according to Forbes magazine. Second Second fastest growing city in the country. And at the same time, we are the, most, the ninth most unreached, unchurched city in the United States of America. The sixth most de-churched city, meaning that a lot of people who were a part of the church yesterday have said today we don't want any part of it. And so our task is big, but our God is big too. And what he has for us is significant. And so as we unpack Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, I want to do so in asking three questions. Uh, The first question I want to ask is, what is Christianity? We're going to look at that at verses 1 and 2. The second question I want to ask us is, what is the church? What is the church? We're going to see that in verses 3 through 5. And the last question we'll ask is, what is the church's mission? In verses 6 through 10 pastor by the name of Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a doctor, kind of like Luke before he became a pastor, um, asked this question. Actually, Martin Lloyd-Jones was a a British pastor uh, of the Church of Westminster and uh, a mentor of mine, even though he's dead and gone on, I have been very much informed and changed by his books. Uh, But he wrote this, this 
uh, probably about 50 years ago. He said, there can be no more urgent question at this present time than just this. What is Christianity? I say that because this gospel is the only hope in the world today. Everything else has been tried and found wanting. Everything else has failed. You'll not find hope with the philosophers or with the statesmen. And you will not find it with the so-called religions of the world. Here is hope and here alone. Now, now chances are you can resonate with something that Martin Lloyd-Jones says is that you've tried other things and you've found it wanting. And you're here today because there's something that's drawn you here that says this is it. This is it. Maybe you're here for the first time and you're just tasting this for the first time. But you're here because you, you want to give this a try. You want to see how this might work in your life, how this might make your life more meaningful, more significant, or even improve your life to some degree. And here's what I would say to you. Christianity is not about trying it. It's about believing it with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. It's about allowing it to envelop everything about you. It's not barely dipping your toes in the water, but it's being immersed by the truth of God. And today I pray that there is an emergence, immersion of the truth of God for us today. And so the first question, what is Christianity? Turn with me to Acts 1 verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. In the first book, this is the Gospel of Luke, he's writing to a man named Theophilus. We don't know anything about Theophilus, expect what, we, what, what has been speculated throughout history, is that Theophilus was likely a wealthy Roman, uh, either a centurion in the army or a government official who wanted to know more about Christianity. And so he had asked Luke to share with him more about Christianity. And in fact, many believe that Theophilus was the one who funded Luke's writing of the Gospel of Luke and also the book of Acts. And so Luke is writing this to a man who, who, who is wanting to understand more of what Christianity is all about. And so Luke actually summarizes what Christianity is in the first verse. If you look with me, it says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Christianity starts with him. It starts with Jesus. And that Jesus Christ began. He he is the incarnate Son of God. He is the one with no beginning and no ending. But there is a time and place in which this man Jesus Christ came to earth and dwelt among us. And his ministry began. And what Luke is writing to him about in the Gospel of Luke is the accounts of the words of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, and the doings of Jesus, the actions of Jesus. And this is Christianity, isn't it? The words of Christ and the work of Christ. That's the summarization of the Gospel. And Jesus came and he did some stuff. And he taught some stuff. Christ's words and Christ's works. The two go together. 
There's two things that go together hand in hand is our doing and our sayings. If our, the things that we say don't match the things that we do, then we're hypocrites. And the verse is true as well. If the things that we do don't match the things that we say, then we're filled, we're filled with mere words and sentimentality. But yet the gospel is real because everything that Jesus said is validated by what he did. And everything that Jesus did is validated by what he said. And this is so powerful. The two go together. There's some things that don't go together. Like Taco Bell and Long John Silver. You, you, you ever go into those places and you say, man, that, that just, this just doesn't work very well. I don't know if I want to order fried fish or a gordita. Wow. But the two things that do go very well together, this is like wine and cheese, man. It's good stuff. It's like beer and pretzels. Wow. I'm sorry, that was a little bit of stretch. Um, <laughs> but these go so hand in hand. Jesus' teachings and his doings Because everything that Jesus said and taught is a summarization of the gospel. You want to see what Jesus said and taught, you look at the cross. Jesus said and taught that he was going to do that. And he did it. And so everything that Jesus said and taught became real and true when he said on the cross, while he was finishing his final act, it is finished. It is finished. And that's the nature of Christianity. As we proclaim a finished work on the cross for our salvation while at the same time saying it's finished but we're not done yet. And that's what the book of Acts is all about. The finished work of Jesus Christ on the gospel for salvation is done. There is nothing that can be added to that work. But at the same time, the work of God going forward through us, now we're not done yet. The Holy Spirit is working so very powerfully in His church to continue the Word of God and the work of God through the people of God, the church. Christianity is Christ's words and deeds continued through His people. We are a part of Christianity. Christianity is not a mere set of ideals or a world religion. It's not a moral lifestyle. Christianity is a way of life. And it's a way of life that demonstrates the work of Christ by our words and our deeds. Christianity is so far bigger than anything that you and I can imagine And we see that until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Jesus continued his words and his works even beyond the cross. He appeared to some 500 people after his death, burial, and resurrection. And he appeared for a length of time, as Luke says, 40 days. And he continued to act and he continued to teach and he continued to fill with fill his teachings into the lives of his followers through the power of his spirit and his work continued throughout all generations and so the second question that i want to ask is what is the church what is the church well the church is the Holy Spirit empowered people of God. 
That's the church. It's the people of God who are continuing the work of God in the words of God, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to change the world that they live in. That's the nature of the church today. Now, it's a very unpopular question, by the way. What is Christianity? What is the church? Anybody can give you a a, a different answer to that question. But I think biblically, looking at what the church is and what the church exists for, it redefines this for the rest of the world. Is that the church is a people who can do nothing without God. We can do nothing without God. Jesus says, I am, my father says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so his first command to the church was to wait. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. We need the power of God's spirit in our everyday life. Some of us think that the Holy Spirit's purpose is to give us goosebumps while we're, while we're singing worship songs. And I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit is so much more powerful than that. The Holy Spirit is the power of the church. He is the one who glorifies God through making the God the Son's name known in the midst of the followers. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So there was something that God was doing so long ago. And He let His church know that it would be a short time before the power of God's Spirit would come upon them. In fact, when we study Acts chapter 2, we're going to see how this took place. But there was something that was going to happen and they weren't ready for it yet. But when that time came... He would empower them to go into the hard places, to do the hard things, and to be a witness of the glory of God. Let me ask you this question. How did you come to know Jesus Christ? Who was it that had that first conversation with you? Who was it that was uh, was impactful for you to know the word of Christ and the work of Christ? I remember when I became a Christ follower, and I had grown up in the church my whole life, but I would say I, I, I was not a believer in Jesus. This was a cultural thing for me. But when I really began to evaluate what Christianity was all about, and, and, and I looked at my life very critically, I saw that what I was living was not genuine Christianity, meaning that the things that I said and the things that I did didn't match up with what Jesus Christ said and did. And so I remember becoming a part of this church. It was Cross Point Church. It was a small group of people, kind of like we are today, and a group of people challenging me by just encouraging me to read God's Word for myself, by asking me the hard questions of my life that no one else really asked. And in college, I was away from my family and I was on my own and I felt in isolation but at the same time God was showing me that I wasn't alone. And then I remember opening my Bibles to Col- my Bible to Colossians 1:15. I was doing a Bible study about the glory of God 
and I opened my Bible to Colossians 1.15, and I read these words, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, and He's the head of the body of the church, the firstborn from among the dead so that in all things he might be supreme or preeminent. For God was pleased that all his fullness should dwell in him, Jesus. And through him, Jesus, reconciled to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And when I read those words, I realized that my life did not exist for that. So I realized that I wasn't a Christian and I wasn't a part of his church. And you know what I did? I said, God, change me. And in that instance, in that moment, Jesus made me a believer in him, changed the trajectory of my life forever and called me to live for and die for his church. And it was about God, me saying, God, I surrender to you. Would you take control of my life? And this is the nature of the church as we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I believe there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit that happened in my life that day. A lot of people ask the question, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And in all honesty, the best I could tell you is that when you become a Christian... You are immersed in this person called the Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, the only way you can believe in Jesus is that you are immersed in this person, the Spirit of God. He comes inside of you. The only way you can believe in God is by the power of the Spirit of God. The only thing you could do anything good for God is through the power of the Spirit of God working in you. And when the Spirit comes... Your life will never stay the same. It will always change. And when the Holy Spirit takes control of our church friends, when we allow God's Spirit to move in our church, there will be a fire, there will be an avalanche, there will be a flame that falls that will set this city ablaze. Listen, I know it sounds so big and so grand and so far beyond us, because it is, it really is. It really is. And God has other churches that God's going to use to do amazing things as we work together with them. But friends, God's Spirit is going to empower us to be a faithful witness of the working power of Jesus Christ in our generation today. And so, Jesus says to the apostles, wait for the Spirit of God to come. Wait for Him to come. And then the last question I want to ask is what is the church's mission? What is the church's mission? You are my witnesses, says Jesus. That's the mission of the church. You are his witness. My friend Sherry is an attorney in, in the court of law and if you are, a, uh, if you are in a case uh, as a witness, you are to bear testimony of that which is true and accurate. 
And as witnesses, we bear testimony of that which is true and accurate that has taken place in our lives and hearts of the working power of God. You are my witnesses means that we are to tell about the work of Christ in the word of Christ any opportunity that we have. When Jesus summoned the disciples and Jesus commissioned the disciples, he commissioned them by saying, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And surely I'll be with you always till the very end of age. We are the witnesses of Christ who are called to teach and preach the work of Christ in the word of Christ. We're people of God's word. And we tell of God's word to those who are far from God and don't know him. And so when they came together in verse one, chapter 1, verse 6, they asked him, Lord, will at this time you restore the kingdom of Israel? At this time will you restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus says in verse 7, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. There's this space that challenges us in life, I think, to be a a Christian witness. It's what we call the contested space. The contested space is is the, the space that is vying for our hearts. And the question is, is will we give into this contested space or will we be moved out of that space by a movement of God's grace? And as we unpack the next four weeks of this series, the contested space is, will we move into a place of suppressing the truth or will we celebrate the truth? At Crosspoint, we say that we are called to sing and celebrate the grace and glory of God. There's a work of the enemy that is suppressing the truth, but will we be a people that celebrate the truth? Grace moves us from being distracted by the small story of our lives and and moves us to be connected to the grand story of Jesus Christ through the gospel for the glory of God. If you have an iPhone, you know how easy it is to be distracted and how easy it is to, to, to be absent but present. There's a whole world that we're learning about how these phones are distracting us. And friends, I think it's important that we know that all the time we're being distracted from the grand story of God and we're seeking to live the small stories of our lives. The grace of God moves us from being isolated to being in genuine community. If Satan could do one thing, it's to isolate us and pick us off. But one of the things that the gospel does is it brings us in a body of believers that celebrates God's grace, goodness, and glory together because we realize that the story is much bigger than any one of us, but the story's about his church. And so genuine relationships are formed, forged. Grace moves us from a lifestyle of consumption. What can I get to a lifestyle of contribution? How can I give? And so as we unpack Acts chapters 1 and 2, we're going to see how this contested space brings us from death to life. How it brings us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved Son. And how every day when we wage war in that contested space, a movement of God's grace begins 
in our lives in a very powerful way. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When Jesus gave the command to be his witnesses, and he said in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in the ends of the earth, they would have had a good idea of what he meant because he was almost as if he would say this to us, you are my witnesses in Orlando, in Florida, in the United States, and to the ends of the earth. Cross Point Church has enjoyed being a part of spreading the gospel beyond Orlando. In fact, Cross Point Downtown is supporting a church in Fethiye, Turkey right now. Very hard place. 95% Muslim context. Maybe even greater than that. In a church, in a city of over 100,000, this church that we're sponsoring through Pastor David Taylor and his wife Monica is the only evangelical presence in that city. And we believe that the gospel is going to spread there for the glory of God. Why do we do that? Because God has so touched our lives that we want for Him to move in the lives of others. That the fire of God would fall and that we would be His witness. That we would sing the song, Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when He said these things, as they were looking up, He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now, tomorrow at around 2.30, everybody's going to be looking up into heaven. By the way, I brought these. Anybody, you got your, uh, you have your shades, by the way? I'm selling these for $500 after service. So um, it's church planting. We're church planting. And uh, we'll give all of that to the ministry in Turkey, I promise. Um, and, but listen, this eclipse that happens once every 99 years, what the disciples saw is going to happen again, but we only saw it one time. Jesus ascending into heaven in the clouds. And I'm sure that darkness came over the world then. And as they were looking into heaven, they were wondering, man, when's Jesus going to come back? When's the kingdom of Jerusalem going to be restored? But it's much bigger than the kingdom of Jerusalem. And that's why we have to wage war against the contested space because it's much bigger than the Jews because the message of God is for the Gentiles. It's much bigger than black or white and all the colors in between. It's much bigger than the rich and the poor that the gospel is for all people in all times. And that instead of gazing at heaven waiting for Jesus to come back, we get to work. And that's what we're called to do. This is a get-to-work series for us. That we would be witnesses, that we'd be praying for our neighbors. My wife and I had the opportunity yesterday, we were invited by one of our children's teachers 
uh, to, to go to their housewarming party. And at this housewarming party, we had the opportunity of being amongst many people who don't know Christ. And you know what my prayer was in leaving that as I talked to my wife? I said, God, would you use us in their lives? Would you see that the opportunities that you have are bigger than just worldly friendships? But they're about seeing people enter into the kingdom of God. We're about seeing the community that God has placed us in transformed by the power of the gospel for his glory. And that's our mission, to point our communities to Jesus Christ. And you are his witnesses. You bear accurate testimony of God's work in your life. Just like I shared with you what God did in my life, you are to share what God has done in your life as a faithful witness of God's power. Kent Hughes says, to be a witness, we must have logos, which is the word of Christ. We must have ethos, which is the inner reality of what we proclaim. And we must have pathos, passion. The apostles were passionate for Christ. Observe Peter at Pentecost, Stephen at his stoning, Paul before Felix. They fervently promoted their faith. They were a band of zealous believers who turned their world upside down. I have three questions for you. Do you have the word of God? Is it in your life? Do you have God's word? Are you a Christian? Have you seen the work of God in the word of God? Do you have that logos? Has that word of God came into your head and transformed your heart? Is it now an inner reality? Is your whole life governed by that truth? Is it deep down into your bones? And has it created a pathos, a passion, a fire that will not die out? Something that determines everything that you do, what causes you to wake up in the morning and go to bed at night. It is that which burns in your heart that says, I have to share this gospel message. In three days, God, in three decades, God changed the world with 12 men and a handful of women. And I believe, friends, God's Spirit can do the same through us, that He would fall on us and we would realize that it's our turn. As we take communion, we remember the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. And I would be remiss to not invite you into this wonderful story. But I want to share with you that right now, you can enter into this story, even if you've been far from God. I was talking to somebody just this morning who said, I'm a backslider. I said, well, welcome. Backsliders are welcome here. Because backsliders, as long as they're breathing, they have a chance to come back, right? And so come back, no matter where you're at. Come back. And come back by confessing that Jesus died for your crimes against him, against God the Father. That he was buried. And then on the third day he rose again so that you can receive and live this new life by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And as we take the bread and dip the cup, we remember the Lord's Jesus. We remember the Lord's work until he comes. And we say he will come again. And it's going to be much more grand than the eclipse. And his power is going to be made evident to all. And we are going to be brought up with him as he goes. This time, we'll be with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you.
that we have this wonderful, wonderful word. And that you would so transform our hearts and lives. God, I even pray right now that your message would change us. God, that it would go beyond this this hour here and it would move God into our schools, our workplaces, our homes, our neighborhoods, our apartment complexes, into our roommates' lives, Lord, and that we would be your witnesses. You would help us. As our mouths are opened, God, that they would proclaim your word. And as our hands are to the plow, God, we would proclaim your finished work. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to invite our ushers to serve communion. We do this by filing down the center aisle. You can come along the sides, take the bread, dip it in the cup, and receive the Lord's Supper in that way. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and a part of the church of Jesus Christ, then come and join us in what God is doing. And you are invited into this grand redemptive story. Let's worship.